basically 25 years on from one of those grim, grim days, and it was towards the end of the apartheid era. And I mean, it's it's not nice to to bring up the memories of for people involved, but I do think it's very important that we reflect on uh, on the day. And of course, you are one of the the people who was there, and you know, you were one of the the people leading it. Your memories of the day. I mean, have they sort of have you has your sort of view of, of what happened that day sort of grown and developed I mean a, a, and in hindsight how do you view that day I mean what are your memories of it okay well I mean my memories are as stark as ever something as dramatic as that doesn't leave one uh, it's ever present in one's mind um, there's no need to apologize for bringing up a very important event in our history, which carried many lessons at the time and still does to this day. You know, if we refer to, say, the massacre at Marikana in 2012, um, what were the lessons that we learned from previous events? And the fact that Marikana took us by such surprise because striking miners were killed in the democratic South Africa. So one needs to look at history and learn from history. Um, In terms of the role players and my particular role, I don't hide anything because uh, I didn't take any decisions unilaterally or individually. Um, Everything that we did that day was the culmination of a campaign within the then uh, Bantustan of the Siskai, where our people were suffering uh, tremendous repression and deaths under the apartheid era stooge, uh, Opal Gozo, who was propped up by the South African Defence Force and Police. And the decision had been taken by the National Executive Committee of the ANC at the time, months before when the border region of the ANC uh, arrived and requested um, that we carry out mobilization and action in the area, and the decision was taken that a march would be led. Um, There were no shortage of volunteers in terms of leadership or in terms of mobilization of thousands of people with the intent objective of marching peacefully into the Siskar Bantustan and uh, staging a sit-in in the centre of the small town of Bishu, calling for the apartheid government to sack Opal uh, Tozo or for him to resign. Um, even the action on the day and the decision that myself, together with Chris Harney, Smutson Gunyama, Linda and T., uh, with the well-known figures, would lead the breakthrough from inside the stadium through a gap in the fence, uh, which we had seen, and and go into um, Bishu in, from that direction and away from the lines of the police, uh, the Siska soldiers. So there's, there's nothing I've got to hide uh, or to be ashamed of, of course, tremendous regret that in the process, the Siskai army, under the leadership of white South African generals and officers, 
fire on the group we were leaving, which was going in a different direction from where these people were deployed. So history will show, if we look at it clearly, and, and, and study the decisions that the, the ANC made at the time, supported by Nelson Mandela himself, that we were not out to attack those soldiers, uh, that we were not out to provoke them, that we had this particular objective in mind. And uh, in that year, many people were killed from Boipatong and many other areas because the clerk's government were using force, were using the, the armed forces, were using the Bantustan forces, um, some of them at least, and, and third forces to attack and kill our people. And the Bishu massacre was, was part of that. In a way, it seems it was almost inevitable that uh, with so many people down there and uh, you leading this march, that uh, the history of this callous disregard for human life in quelling protest actions uh, like this, it was almost inevitable that people would pay the price. And, of course, you've spoken about your regrets there. You also spoke earlier about the lessons learned. I mean, is that one of the th- the legacies that is carried over from the apartheid era is that some of our security forces uh, lack the correct intelligence, lack the correct training, and still have a callous disregard to, for the life of South Africans? You're spot on with that. You've taken the words out of my mouth. That's exactly it. The lesson is that in the current South Africa today, we have uh, police services, it's actually a police force uh, particularly, and that has been militarized, and as we've seen at Bushu, as we've seen at other clashes where civil rights leaders, Andres Tatani and others, have been brutally shot down, that unfortunately under an ANC government, uh, we have not transformed the police. We've in fact elevated them into a paramilitary force. Um, and and uh, we, we subject to this kind of violence, of corruption that's crept in as well, the murders that take place, the terrible tortures that still prevail in detention. And therefore, given that it's an ANC government, and we look back at Bishu, and we look further back to Shafel and other massacres, we have the right to say, comrades, what on earth is going on? Um, you still continue to allow a police force to function in this unguided way that we've seen in the past. And this has to stop. And this is why I'm very passionately a part of civil society, the right to know, Gone Free South Africa, all of these very important civic associations that demand the truth and openness um, and, and, and put these, uh, at times, very embarrassing questions. And this is what we've got to learn from that history. Let me just go back to the first part of what you've said about the inevitability of that day. Um, it, it wasn't inevitable that the, the soldiers should have opened fire. Um, there were other occasions where peaceful demonstrations took place without this kind of bloodshed. But it's clear that on that day, the apartheid government were absolutely committed to keeping Gozo 
in power. Now, that also has certain lessons to be drawn for our country today, because far too many of those Bantustan police commissioners from the past are still in position. And in fact, Jacob Zuma continuously, unlike Thabo Mbeki and Nelson Mandela, continues to appoint people of that ilk to head the police force, the services, um, the, the police crime intelligence and the like. And, you know, we, we can't allow this to go on happening because surely we're going to see more of that kind of bloodshed and brutality that we've seen in the killing of Andres Kutani and the killing at, um, at, at, at uh, Marikana and so on. So it's important that we look at this today. We mourn uh, those who have died. We remember them and we draw the correct lessons so that it should never happen again in our country. People have the right to demonstrate. Chris Harney and, and uh, Nelson Mandela made that point in the early 90s. They, they, they kept making it that if our own ANC um, does things wrong, then our people will have the right to march in protest. Chris Harney made an ironic statement not long before he died when he became the General Secretary of the Communist Party of our country in 1991, it was. And he said um, that if our ANC in government come does not respond to the needs of the people, then he would be in the forefront of leading marches against them. And he said ironically, but of course, when our people are in power, they won't shoot at us or throw tear gas at us or bat and charge us. But actually, you see the irony of that, because that is what's happening, because we don't have a government that's prepared to really control the security forces in service of the people, not against them. Does the Eastern Cape, and I specifically look at the Eastern Cape as one of uh, the provinces which really uh, battles economically, a lot of the social issues uh, remain uh, various uh, you know, issues within municipalities, with infighting, uh, corruption. 25 years on, that dream which you were trying to realize in Bishu, where's that gone? Well, look, just let me pause to say you refer to Eastern Cape, and obviously you're using that as an example. It's the same throughout the country. Uh, and, and in terms of that, not just the Eastern Cape where that violence was meted out, but look at KwaZulu-Natal today. Um, how many people are being gunned down amongst them, ANC people, Communist Party, IFP people, etc. And these crimes, the criminals are never traced. We've got the absolute scandalous, outrageous situation of the Glebeland, say, a hostel, where something approaching 100 people have been murdered, assassinated, and our police force have done really got nowhere in, in terms of resolving that kind of problem. Um, it, it's part of the wider problem in this country where we have a government and a ruling party that's become so involved in its own in, in internal factions for leadership and a grouping around Jacob Zuma, a wide grouping with the Guptas and so many ministers uh, and, and, and leaders like that in the provinces and the, uh, the, the various municipalities, etc., um, who just line their own pockets and have no regard for solving the problems of the people, which is what government is supposed to 
do, and certainly a revolutionary government like ours. So the situation has gone wrong because we've got thieves and thugs who are running this country and are only concerned in, in feathering their own nest. And this is why there is such outrage against these scandals and the scandals that this president of our country permits. And this is where things have gone so wrong. We failed in a wider sense in terms of what we set out to do, redressing the, the, the adverse economic situation in the country, the unemployment, the immense grounding poverty that gets worse and worse with a, a growing gap between the very rich and the majority who are getting poorer and poorer. Um, and we've just got to change the economic nature in this country, um, going back to the Freedom Charter, as, as the Economic Freedom Front have, have mentioned. And they're not the only ones. You know, we've seen more and more voices um, talking up now about the need to relook at those economic concessions that were made early on in this uh, ANC government's period and in that period of transformation in which we failed to really deal with the economic power in this country. And that's why there's so much debate and anguish taking place. We, we see the opportunists and the demagogues coming up with their particular labels which the Zuma crowd use. Um, it, it, radical economic transformation. We must have that economic transformation. It must redress the power, the adverse power relations, property relations, uh, and inequalities in this country. But what Zuma and company are using, and this is another, another lesson we've got to learn from the history, is that they use it in a demagogic way in order to deal with their particular opponents, be they the people in the Treasury, uh, former ministers like Pravin Gordon, etc., in order to cover up their own glaring crimes. And this must not be permitted. Our people must be very wide awake to what is happening there. And this is where we must have a real democracy based on the mobilization of our people, the consciousness of our people, uh, and, and service to those people.